Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Can the New York Knicks defense be merely below average instead of stinking terrible? Jalen Brunson, how does his new improved three-point shooting change the trajectory of his career and affect those around him? All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we are now available on all platforms. That includes on YouTube. So if you want to see our smiling faces each and every day and become an everydayer, then be sure to subscribe, hit that notifications bell to ensure you never miss an episode. And be sure to do the same on your audio podcast platform of choice. I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by my buddy, Prez. He is the co-host of the Pod Strickland podcast, the solo host of the Draft Strickland podcast, which is returning this week. Um, and just uh, flat out, one of the uh, better basketball minds uh, out there in the public sector. I, I, I don't think that's an overstatement. Uh, Guy is absolutely brilliant. Um, anyone who's ever listened to him on this pod knows exactly that and is exceptionally funny as well. A great rare combo and lucky for me, I get to pick his brain for an hour here. The first half hour, of which will be on today's show. So without further ado, let's get into it right now with Prez. All right. As promised, we are joined by the great Presidente uh, Prez. You can follow him at uh, underscore Presidente on Twitter. Co-host Pod Strickland, uh, primary host of the fantastic Draft Strickland podcast. Prez, how's it going, man? Thanks for taking the time to talk. And uh, interesting time for the New York Knicks, right? Coming off a big win last night over the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the defense is not a great place. Maybe maybe they're heading the right direction, but I, I, th- I thought this was a cool time to check in with you. Yeah, we're definitely in a uncharted waters here i was just telling uh schwinnie poo on the last pod strickland that like you know these two la games and the next couple of games like it's pivotal and i have like literally anything could happen and i wouldn't be surprised like the knicks could just figure it out and tibbs can figure it out and we can be great or we could just get hammered and destroyed every game and like i have no idea what's gonna happen and it's so it it tells you just how and I, I was I was kind of making the case when he got hurt that Mitchell Robinson like almost about as integral to a team's style as any non-star is in the NBA, and it, it felt like you you kind of knew what to expect. Fifteen to twenty games in the season, the Knicks were gonna, were going to beat every bad team they played. They'd give a valiant effort against most teams in their tier, and and then would lose to the better teams. And now it feels like there's this offensive ceiling unlocked. That's like you know, on on the right night, Jalen Brunson will shoot nine for nine from three, score fifty points, and you'll beat the Phoenix <laughs> on on the road. And, and and you could also lose to the Jazz, and you could give up hundred eighty points to the Bucks and the Clippers. Like it's all it's all in play. Um, but defensively, uh, last night again was was really good overall like finally like getting a little bit of a break and playing merely like a good offense instead of a great offense they obviously held the lakers down pretty well and and the great thing about that was their um 
points allowed per 100 possessions. Um, since Mitchell Robinson went out, went down about two and a half points. The bad news is they're still three points worse than any other team in the NBA over that stretch, giving up 127.8 points per 100 possessions, which would be the worst in NBA history by a country mile, unless I didn't do my research that well. But it, that, that seems like the number that should be the worst in NBA history. So simple question, Prez. Is, is, there, is there a way for them to play merely below average defense instead of disastrously poor defense without Mitchell Robinson? Um, there is, there is, uh, it is not easy though. It's this really, really complicated, extremely, uh, big brain idea called playing your best defenders, lots of minutes, which is right. not I, I, always I, I, I think you're going too far, man. I think that's, that's a step too far. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's what, I mean, that's the funny, I didn't watch the Lakers game live cause I'm on the East coast and I'm old and washed up, but. Um, just looking at the box score, like the uh, points and rebounds and all that aside, the first things that jumped out minutes wise was Hartenstein played a crap ton of minutes. Uh, I think high thirties or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then, thirty-eight. Yep. Yeah, thirty-eight. So that's a lot of minutes, and then especially for a someone who's normally a bench center, um, and then quickly played twenty-eight minutes, which was uh, I think his second highest minutes total of the season. And, you know, like Tibbs was, uh, you know, starting Sims and with the goal of keeping the rotation similar-ish and the bench vibes together. Because usually what he does is, you know, Mitch starts, obviously. Hart will get his backup minutes and then Mitch will come back in. And then towards the last third of the game, Mitch will usually play, but there are times where like, if Mitch is in foul trouble or he doesn't quite have it going or if iHeart is having a good game, he will switch that up. And I think, you know, to, to me, like, at this point, you can't really get cute with the Sims and iHeart minutes distribution. I don't know how much is too many minutes to tire Hartenstein out, but Sims is particularly versus teams with actual centers not like fours masquerading at fives he's not good he's just not and and then even versus small teams like we're not going to switch him a lot which is his strength we'll switch him a little bit but like he's just he's just not really great at defense he's he's a he's a third string center on defense that's what he is that's not a good nba player right like there are times versus the clippers he looked like I'm not an NBA player against um, Zubac. Like it was absolutely brutal to watch. And I don't think it's a coincidence that in the next game versus gigantic Anthony Davis and all that, Tiz was like, no, hell no, I'm not messing around. And just, <laughs> he started Sims, but he, uh, Taj got a little bit of tick. I don't think that was a coincidence um, when iHeart needed a breather because um, they just need somebody who can just be a little physical on the glass and boxing out and everything. So that's number one. It's like our, our defense really stems from the center spot. Number two is, you know, quickly is probably the best defender. Who's not a center on this team when he's in his groove. Um, Dante and Grimes have their strengths, but quick is the quick is like a magic marker eraser. He he's even when he gets beat, he knows, all right, somebody's helping me because I got beat, so I'm going to go help their guy. And that's something that, for example, uh, versus the Clippers, by my count, DiVincenzo 
actually burned us about five or six times where he got beat by one of the LA wings, which is understandable, right? Like those guys are really good, but that's not the end of your responsibilities on defense. If you get beat and someone's helping you, that means they're abandoning someone and you got to go find that person. Right. And, and normally Dante's not so bad at that. Um, he's, but for whatever reason, uh, he didn't do that versus the Clippers and without Mitch, when your role players don't fulfill their responsibilities on defense or your starting 10 minute center Sims has a particularly brutal 10 minute stretch, like that stuff can just hurt you. Cause you don't have, you can't count on, you know, 28, 30 minutes of all NBA defense level Mitchell Robinson to just make up for it. So they can do it. They just, everybody else has to kind of chip in on, as far as the role players go. Um, and Tibbs has to play quickly more minutes and Hartenstein more minutes above all else. Cause like, you know, Brunson's going to get a lot of minutes as he should. And you hope you get a decent Brunson defense game, right? Like he did in Phoenix or like he did versus the Lakers. Like there's always going to be plays where dudes take advantage of him, but you want him at least like taking charges or, mucking things up in the passing lanes and you know stuff like that and our same thing for rj like he needs to and he's he's played fine on defense which is like all you really need him to do julius is kind of just you just need him to not be like a tire fire on defense and if he can do that then he's good to go so uh given how he's playing on offense so like that's not you know that's a lot of different things but i don't think it's impossible that we quickly and Hartenstein get minutes and everybody else lock in, you know, a couple of times, uh, you know, over the next, what is How long is Mitch out? Three months? Uh, Jesus eight, Christ, eight, 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 eight <laughs> to 10, eight to 10 weeks. He will be reevaluated. So, um, so the hope I think is, is post all-star break, but alrighty, next on locked on Knicks, we're going to wrap up our discussion is effort enough. Alrighty, next on the Locked On Knicks podcast, we're going to wrap up our discussion on the Knicks improving their defense. Is effort enough, or do you need a little bit more? Do the Knicks have the personnel to be better on defense at the end of the day? But first, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire. Every week, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy picks of the week. So last time we were lucky enough to get Isaiah Hardenstein. This time around, um, no such New York Knicks options, but we have an equally likable one in Grayson Allen. Uh, the Phoenix Sun shooting guard um, has a fantastic opportunity because Bradley Beal's out for the next couple of weeks with his sprained ankle. And I'll, I'll always argue fantasy basketball, you you want to have, I mean, totally dependent on roster side, but you want to have maybe like eight guys who are who are just utterly untouchable and, and are on your team all season long and you're going to ride out the highs the lows and they make up the core of your team then you want to fill the, out the rest of your roster with with guys who have opportunity and have the talent to take advantage of and that is Grayson Allen to a T one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA this year solid rebounder solid all-around scorer who certainly benefits off of all the attention paid to um, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant um, he's in line for a really good next few weeks. And then from there, you, you just pick up the next guy with a great opportunity. Um, so Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. But eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit 
Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly, whether it's brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride for the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But I hear you. I mean, I think the the personnel, to your point, like like if it's Grimes quickly and Hartenstein all maybe playing a little bit more, like that that's not the worst defense in the league by a country mile. Like even, even given the main guys that should be maybe the 23rd, 24th best defense in basketball. And you, you hope a little Tom Thibodeau magic um, upset just a little bit more. What I liked against the Lakers and, and honestly against the Suns is is I just think there was, there was some proactive playmaking on defense. And obviously that's that's kind of a good chunk of what you're looking for out of DiVincenzo. But Brunson, obviously a career game with with five steals. And then against the Lakers, just rewatching the first quarter, um, there, there was a lot of good stuff. Like Dante did an awesome job helping out Hartenstein, um, like getting a blindside strip on Anthony Davis. Jalen Brunson, I, I, I can't remember. I think it was Cam Reddish who was driving, kind of stunted in and then recovered to get a steal. Quentin Grimes stripped LeBron from behind, which like he he just he you you know better than I do, but he, he just has great hands. Um quickly had some good plays, like Hartenstein, just super active. And 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 to me, that's like what you need, like engagement. And you, and you don't want to go too far that direction where you're constantly gambling because to your point, you don't have the insurance of Mitchell Robinson back there to to stand in and save you. But I wonder if some of this is is one just like having a brutal schedule with Boston, the Clippers, and Milwaukee and Phoenix all in that stretch, like for the last teams you want to play when you have defensive issues. And, and part of it may be just like the same way, like a rookie has to adjust to how hard the NBA is. I, I think everyone kind of has to adjust to how hard they have to play without Mitchell Robinson, because to your point, you, you, you take a playoff, you, you, you miss a spot. Mitch is there to erase it more often than not. And, and it's kind of a eye-opening experience that I don't know, maybe, maybe it just takes a few games to say like, all right, this is what the standard is now for me. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. Obviously, you can't make up for Mitch, but, like, in theory, you know, you want, like, the team to pick up the slack. Everybody has to try harder, all those yeah. coaching cliches and all that. But, like, I don't know if if that will realistically happen. Like, yeah. I'm just thinking out loud, like, this is just how the NBA works. Like, there's there's very few players who you're like, wow, in that stretch of one week, this decidedly average defender played like Gary Payton on defense. Yeah. That that doesn't it's not like offense where like Torian Prince can get hot for a week and drill 50% of his threes over like four games. Like there's no defensive equivalent. So for me, it's it's really that's why I kind of focused on like the minutes and stuff like that. Like Tibbs just needs to put good defenders on the floor as often as possible. And then for the players themselves, it's less about like, ah, oh, step your defensive game up to levels heretofore unseen, <laughs> but more just like, don't get worse than you normally are. Like just, yeah, just do your best to do your responsibilities, how you normally do it. And if you're a particularly bad defender, try to just not be the worst. <laughs> So I guess that, what I, that's what I'm hoping for. I, I guess what I was trying to get at was like, I don't know. I've just seen RJ at times like step up to a hard match. Like when he's guarding a Tatum, when he's totally. guarding why? Like I do, I do think there's like 
a slightly higher ceiling there. But then even beyond the effort, like to what you're saying, like Jalen Brunson, like in, in that Lakers first quarter, had a had a great closeout on, I can't remember, it was maybe Torian Prince. And, and it didn't, it just doesn't matter, right? Because Torian Prince is whatever, five, six inches taller than him. It doesn't, doesn't even really see him when, when Brunson's like flying at him. Like that that's a gnat in his face. And like that, like Brunson can play as hard as he wants. Like there are going to be moments like that where you, you just don't have the size you need. And that's maybe more of a roster building issue for the Knicks and something we get into either in this pod or down the road. But I, I, I think, I think there are avenues for them to be merely decent. And, and the fact of the matter is the offense has been so good that against most teams, like that should be enough. Um, particularly if they were able to finish games like they did against the Lakers. Um, I, I wanted to touch on that, but Prez, whenever we have you on, I, I kind of use it as an opportunity to just, check in on everyone right and, and player development across the board so i'm i'm, I'm as the guest i want to i want to be um a, a, a kind host and uh leave it up to you um i, I sent you some names um rj dante divincenzo julius randall emmanuel quickly quinn grimes um where, where, where do you want to start in, in terms of talking player development wherever you want to start okay well thank you you're you're kinder than i'm all right um let's <laughs> let's go um let's go you know let's let, let's let's start let's start big dog first jalen brunson because this was this was something you had a twitter thread about over the summer and i, I think i've referenced it maybe like 10 times on this pod but just about brunson's three-point volume and how stunningly low it was last year he took 4.7 per game and and you go through like all the the lead guards and that was higher with, than his pro- his yeah. older seasons by a lot right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that was and and it was granted like it was it was it was different types of shots like it was lar- largely pull ups like versus like the guy who basically just took spot up fairly open threes in the past. Um, and and you went through every other star ball handler in the league, and all of them were were generally somewhere between seven to like ten or eleven threes per game. Obviously, Brunson's not there, but he's shooting over seven, and he's shooting a lot of them um, from from what you call like four point range, and and the Knicks have a line for that in their training facility. Brunson, like I heard Fred Katz talking about this recently, like even going back to last year, it was was kind of training on that line. And it, it was probably a thing where it took two years to get his body right, two years to get his legs right, to adjust to that type of range. And, and now we're seeing a guy who's a 46% three-point shooter on volume. And, and, and maybe that is not his reality. But if he's, if he's something close to that, how does that kind of change your opinion of him long-term? And how does that sort of change how the Knicks can build around him in, in, in trying to get a championship contender down the road? I mean, it, it's it's pretty, it's almost like stupidly straightforward, right? Like he just yeah. becomes an elite scoring guard as part for distance in the modern NBA. Like you get a zillion pick and rolls and, you know, you used to, Brunson gives defenders plenty to worry about, but you used to not have to worry about like going under the screen when he's 30 feet away um, and him pulling that thing. And now, now he'll do that. Now he'll step back like James Harden. He'll do all that stuff. So like, like you said, that's how you end up with like random 45 point games, 50 point games. He's been pretty much the best three point shooter in the NBA this year. Like nobody's a better shooter than Steph Curry, but like just, if you put Steph like in his own like Mount Olympus tier, like aside from Steph, it's pretty much Jalen Brunson who's been the best jump shooter in the NBA as a scorer. And it's funny, like he he remember he started the season really rough, not just from three, but really from two. So like yeah. he's still recovering from that. Like I think if the season ended now, it would be his lowest two point percentage in his career by. by significant amount it would be the first time he didn't shoot above 50 percent from three i think he's that i mean from two coming around you're yeah. seeing like the mid-range shots and the floaters and 
all that late game backbreaker stuff just beginning to come back. So if he can like just, I'm not going to assume he's going to shoot for freaking 46% from three all season, but uh, if he just stays high forties and the two point shooting comes back and he begins to draw fouls a little bit, like he's going to be scoring a lot. And we kind of saw a version of this last year where like, in the beginning of his tenure with the Knicks, it was like low 20s, 22, 23, 24. And then the last couple months, it was like averaging like 27, 28. And then versus the Heat and the Cavs, he averaged like a bazillion. And, you know, and now, like you said, he's shooting even more, uh, even more threes, particularly pull-up threes on top of that. And I'll throw a couple other stats uh, that I thought were interesting. I haven't tweeted them yet, but... um. So this would be this year, 35% of his field goals are threes, which would be by far the highest in his career. The highest before that was 31.9 in his third year in Dallas. Um, It would be the lowest percentage of his points from two, which is the converse of that, right? Um, It would be the highest career points off of turnovers by a very large margin by about two points. Um, And that just kind of speaks to like him being willing to, you know, run to the three point line, like a lot of the Knicks do um, in transition. Um, By far the lowest number of points in the paint, um, 30 this year, 30%. The lowest number he had before that was, uh, actually, last year with the Knicks at 43, so 13% lower. And then the most fun one, though, to me is um, the uh, percent of field goals made that are assisted. Last year, 26. This year, 39. And uh, it kind of just speaks to, you know, him learning how to play with Julius a little bit. Those kickouts from Mitch and Iheart. Um, and Josh Hart, where they get the rebound and the ball goes swing, swing, swing or whatever and finds Jalen Brunson. So um, he's just like inhabiting a whole different player archetype this year than we've ever seen him. So uh, I feel like it's pretty sustainable. I mean, the three-point numbers might come down, but the twos will come up. So I, I don't see him slowing down much. All right, guys, we are going to wrap up this conversation on Jalen Brunson and who else could ultimately benefit and how can they benefit from all the increased attention Brunson could potentially see down the road. And also, when will that happen? But before we do that, uh, you should know where you're buying your tickets to sporting events. And if you're like me, you probably had some issues with a lot of the uh, big names in the market, whether it's uh, not seeing the true price of your ticket, not being able to see where your seat is, or or not having a guarantee that if you find a better price somewhere else, uh, that company will match it. None of those things are issues with my place to buy tickets, my favorite ticketing site in the whole wide world, and that is Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Uh, Recently, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was lucky enough to be there the same time my New York Knicks were playing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go get tickets, and where else would I go but game time. I loved how accurate the views for my seat were. And I, I saw a seat that like on paper, honestly, I probably wouldn't have purchased. And I saw the viewers like, you know what? That's not half bad as for the right price. And, and the beauty of game time is if you find a 
Better price anywhere else. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best one. So if you find tickets in the same section row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That means no matter where you go, game time will always win. They have tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last minute deals. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N N B A for $20 off. And maybe you'll see Jalen Brunson score 50 download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah. And, and the same way the Knicks have been playing historically bad defense the last seven games, like post the just uh, like horror show that was Julius's first two weeks <laughs> of the season. I mean, the, the offense has been like historically good. Like one of one of the obviously it's it's just it's just sort of what the modern NBA is, but one of the better offensive ratings in league history. And in fact, even better than they played last year, which like didn't seem sustainable last season and and has become uh, to this season, I should say, and has become so because unlike last year where the Knicks were terrible shooting the basketball, they've been a pretty mm-hmm. good three-point shooting team this year. And that feels like it's all Jalen Brunson. Um and, and I guess I'm 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 curious like how you've seen like that shooting open things up for everyone else on the floor because to me that's almost the next step of it is him getting treated like a 46 percent three-point shooter on pretty high volume and, and just what kind of the domino effect of that is because the knicks have started setting these these screens for him like just inside half court like just like you would do for a staff just like you would do for a dame and, and at this point like Defenses, I think, aren't totally sure what to do about it against the Suns. We saw Yusuf Nurkic and drop to start the second half. And and that, I think, more than anything else, is what Brun- got Brunson going on that heater. Like, if I'm remembering correctly, he only made one three in the first half. And the Suns just let him walk into a few because they were terrified of this guy who, who was, I mean, not, not necessarily destroying them in the first half, but was playing with a lot of juice, getting into lane at will. Like, there wasn't really anything Phoenix could do to keep him away from the basket. And, and for teams that aren't the Celtics and don't have, like, a million mobile, like, hyper-athletic <laughs> defenders and a 7-3 rim protector, like, it doesn't feel like there are a lot of answers there. And I'm wondering if they start, like, trying to throw an extra guy into, into the play and, like, obviously not going to, like, Steph or Dame lengths yet just because Brunson's going to have to do this for a while to get that kind of respect. But... Do you do you see it as a thing where like defenses are going to become further and further distorted? And I mean, maybe the efficiency of the other guys in this Knicks offense are already going up or or am I maybe missing that a little bit? And, and, and you think that's already happening to a, a pretty solid extent? No, I think you're right. Just kind of reflecting on it. Um, I don't think he's been seeing like hard doubles or hard doubles that much um and then you know when he's not shooting he's pretty quick at making decisions from three so it's not like james harden where he's like sizing you up and he's like i dare you to double i dare you to double i dare you to double you're not gonna double okay i'm gonna shoot like if he's gonna shoot it he'll shoot it pretty quick and if he decides just kidding i'm going into the paint then of course there's gonna be bodies in the paint but like the other thing is in the regular season like Teams don't really, especially in the first half of the season, they don't really ace the details on stuff like that. And I think for the most part, there's some level of like, we'll live with it from other teams. And it's not, this isn't unique to Jalen Brunson either. Like at the, in the in-season tournament championship, I was, I don't like calling it in-season tournament championship, even though it's the championship of an in-season tournament. I'm going to call it the in-season tournament finale. That sounds more appropriate. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. (laughs) And one of the things the Lakers did against Halliburton, who has had an amazing season, 
was they threw some hard double teams at him, right? And the, the Pacers didn't handle it so well. I mean, Halliburton's pretty good at passing out of them because he's good at all passing. But there's nobody else on the Pacers to, like, create advantages once the ball's not in Halliburton's hands, right? Like, it's not like he's passing it to a Julius Randle or something like that. So they kind of tanked the Pacers by doing that. And and nobody had done that against Halliburton in 20 games, which is like uh, on a facial level, it's like really nobody, just nobody was like, oh yeah, we'll make Buddy Heel beat us off the dribble. But yeah, that's kind of what happens in the regular season. There's a level of like, we're figuring our own stuff out on, on defense and offense. And we're just going to kind of, you know, we'll do our thing and, We'll try to execute it, and we're not going to variate our game plan a, you know, a, a whole huge amount. Um, so I, I do think for playoffs, which is when you really see teams like dial in on the game plans and stuff like that, you'll probably see that. I mean, we saw that last year in the playoffs, right? Like a bunch of other Knicks were stinking up the joint, including Julius, and they were throwing crazy ball pressure at Jalen Brunson and to the point where the Knicks started screening with him for the guards with guards so that the Knicks, so he could pass it to a ball handler instead of Mitch. And so like, we haven't seen any of that stuff that like Cleveland or Miami threw at Brunson. And that's despite Brunson playing even more dangerously well on offense this year. But will it, you know, will that, will teams begin to do that? Maybe. Um, But I, I don't think it's going to be the norm. I don't think he's going to get that kind of, attention like you said like Steph or Dame or whatever um on the ball they're just gonna I think teams would just be happy to let him take tough shots and that's always kind of been the conundrum versus Jalen Brunson right it's unlike other tough shot shooters he hits these things efficiently which is like the strategy of like oh yeah we'll let this player take the insane shot is not as good of a strategy versus Jalen Brunson. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. And I'm, and I wonder if like, if defenses do start to put more on him, um, you, you almost hope that happens before Mitch comes back because Hartenstein, right. Is, is so much more able to take advantage oh, yeah. of that in the short role. Um, Julius, I, I think you, you noted it earlier, but him and Brunson have shown just far better synergy this year. And almost, I, I almost want them to get back to that a little bit more because I, I noticed it earlier in the season, a little, a little bit more, but just, just a number of times like late in games where they'd, create shots for each other. Um, and, and that I think the first bucks game, even it was, it was hat or maybe it was the second, Bucks. I don't know. At some point it was, it was happening quite a lot. Um, and, and, and the Knicks have won games down the stretch that way. And, and, and I think Julius is, is, is playing at a level that he can, he can take advantage of that and is, is deserving of that. Um, and, and it, it's going to be exciting to see because I think the Knicks have a, a lot of guys who, um, even, even someone like Devin Chenzo, who are quick decision makers and, and, and know the next right play to make someone who, who's always been pretty good at that is Emmanuel mm-hmm. quickly. Um, and it's been sort of a weird season for him, right? Less minutes than he played last season. Um, shooting absurdly well from three everywhere, but the corners 42% away from the corners, only 24%. I'm going to double check that because that number sounds so low, even though it's, it's in my notes here. You have 24% on corner threes. That is fourth percentile of all combo guards in the NBA, according to cleaning the glass. Not, not what you want from Emmanuel quickly. 
Um, perhaps most disappointing is, is last year. Like the big jump for him was his rim finishing. He shot 67% of the rim had never really been close to that. And the volume still wasn't great. And my hope for him this year was that the volume would go up and the efficiency would only go down a little bit. Instead, the efficiency at the rim has gone way down. He's all the way down to 59% at the rim. And the frequency of shots at the rim has somehow also gone down. Um, I, I think part of that is, is just a rhythm thing for him. And, and I do think playing in more minutes and finding ways to get him more time on the ball would go a long way to solving it because I, I don't think he's suddenly got worse. And, and to that point, um, I, I think, I, I don't know if there's some of the coaching staff drove home to him or he just kind of decided on his own, but he has just been much more proactive about pushing the basketball and eating up space. And and I thought that was when he was at his best last year. And as much as when he was a rookie, like it seemed like the way he was going to have monster games is, is, is being like a Steph or Dame type shooter, at least for a night and, and taking 15 threes and making eight of them and, and, and just cooking like that or getting the free throw line 12 times. And then last year, like that game against the Celtics, I don't know about you, what I remembered more than anything else from that was him getting a rebound and like going coast to coast and like somehow like ducking a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or whoever was at the rim for the Celtics in those games. And, and for a dude who's like physically not huge and, and was like allergic to the basket to start his career, like he had moments that just sort of blew your mind where you're like, all right, this is, this is more than I could have ever dreamed from uh, dreamed of from him as an at the rim guy. And, and this season that has been largely absent, but I, I think there have been signs these last couple of games that, that he's really emphasizing that. And and I think that translates to confidence in, in every other part of his game. But, but what have you seen? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, part of it is role, right? And minutes, like not only have his minutes plummeted this year, but, um, you know, he's he hasn't got those closing minutes with Brunson where he can capitalize um, off of the attention of others quite as often. Um, although, and then the, the pushing the pace thing, that didn't happen as much until recently. I did notice that versus the Lakers. Um, I don't know if it's related to him getting so much playing time, but he had a couple of plays where even I, I almost forgot about it. I was like, damn, are you just going to push and you're not going to give it to Jalen Brunson? You're just going to do your own thing. And he did his own thing and it worked. He, he scored multiple times doing that. Or even, and, it, and it's not always like pure coast to coast. It's like he'll like get like a little inside the three point line and bring it back. And then all of a sudden just boost again. So he's, kind of rediscovering that a little bit. Another thing that I think is a slight, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but like the one new skill he's really unlocked this year is like mid-range fadeaways. Um, and he didn't really do that last year. He still had his floater, which is great. Um, but he has this thing now where when he gets downhill, um, one of his counters is, you know, if, if you're defending someone going downhill, your momentum is going to the hoop is he'll stop and then spin back and then just take a little fadeaway, you know, a little 10, 15 footer. And um, he's shooting a career high from 10 to 16 feet by a lot. Um, last year he shot, this is his field goal percentage from 10 to 16 feet each year in the league, 36, 40, 47, 52. So wow. he's... Yeah. He's cashing that thing um, this year. You haven't seen the, you know, gone or the the super long Derrick Rose type floaters from earlier in his career. He'll still bust out the floaters, but they're usually closer to the hoop. And 
Um, he's a lot more content uh, with the mid-range fadeaway now, um, which is, you know, to your earlier point, a stunning development given where he entered the league. So, I mean, he he's definitely had a weird season on offense, um, and it shows in the stats. Some of that is also just noise. Um, like, I think on corner threes, he's shooting like 20% or something. Like, he's not going to shoot 20% on corner threes. He's too good of a shooter. Um, so some some of the overall stats, I think, will continue to make their way up as they have been. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. He's he's uh, he's taking the right shots. It's just... And he's being aggressive on top of that, which is what you want. He, he hasn't really, like, focused on passing as much as he has in years past, to my eye. And part of that might just be percentages down from last year, just as like a catch all for that. But go ahead. Yeah. 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 Just, and part of that is his minutes being down. Part of that is his role being like to score when the other big guns are not on the floor. And as a result, like some of the, some of the rate stuff, like it's per a hundred possessions, his points per a hundred possessions and things like that are actually up quite a lot. Um, He's, up to 30.6 points per possession, uh, 100 possessions, which is like a pretty high number. Um, that's like very much bucket getter territory. So, um, even though some of the efficiency is down while and other parts of it are up, you know, he's still doing his thing out there, and uh, and the defense is still stellar as always. So, we just need a he just needs to get on the court a lot more, man. Like, it, it's it's kind of crazy, um, and I'm sure you've talked about this with other folks, but like, it, he's just too valuable to not play as often. Like for comparison, like Tyrese, he so uh, quickly scores 30.6 points per 100 possessions. Tyrese Maxey scores 33.6, which is a higher number, obviously. Tyrese Maxey is really freaking good. Yeah, but quickly right there. So, so he this is a bucket getter, and like. One who plays really good defense, so you should find time for that. All righty, guys, that is it for today's episode with Prez. I know I'm bummed about it too, but tune back in on Friday. We will have um, another probably about 35 minutes with him talking. Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, um, and, and how they've continued to develop or or, or not develop in some cases. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, tune into Alex uh, breaking down the uh, legendary Knicks Nets rivalry. Big, big game. Alex will have that for you here on Locked on Nets.